Ready or not, Christmas is here. I trust all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving, spending time with family and friends, eating way too much, watching too much football, <clears throat> That, if that's possible. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you this morning to open up to the book of John, chapter 1, as we continue to walk through the book of John. We're going to be looking this morning at John, chapter 1, Verses 43 through 51. John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. <clears throat> verse 43. The next day he purposed to go forth into Galilee. He found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can any good thing come from Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You shall see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you shall see the heavens opened and the angel of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Will you join me as we pray? Father, we thank you that in your great grace and in your great mercy, you reveal truth to us. And we thank you that we see a beautiful example of invitation here. Lord, may we be convicted this morning of our failure to be obedient. May we be encouraged by the truth in your word. And may we see Jesus highly exalted as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, it's my prayer that... When you leave, that you will be encouraged, you will be inspired, you will, be, you will have the desire to invite others to Jesus. As we get into this text, as we get into this text, we will, we're introduced to a man by the name of Nathaniel. And for those astute scholars that I know all of you are, you come to this text and you see, okay, preacher. I see Nathaniel here in the Gospel of John, but I don't see him anywhere else in Scripture. And, and Nathaniel here in John is called to follow Jesus, yet in Matthew's account of the disciples of Jesus and Luke's account of the disciples of Jesus, I, I don't find Nathaniel. So, so who is this, this guy, Nathaniel? Well, there are many, many theories of who Nathaniel is, uh, I think the most, the most probable 
conclusion, the most probable explanation of who Nathaniel was, is Nathaniel is the disciple whom is also known as Bartholomew. You say, well, I get Peter and, and Simon, but, but because Jesus clearly changes his name, he says, Simon, you will be called Peter, which means rock, but Nathaniel is not short for Bartholomew. It's not like Mike and Michael. You know, it's not like Pete and Peter. So, so, so where are you getting this Nathaniel from, preacher? <clears throat> well, if you go to the book of Matthew chapter 16, I want us to see something that the text tells us. Gives us some insight into the language. It gives us some insight into uh, first century Palestine. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asks the disciples, they say, he says, who do men say that I am? And the disciples said, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that, that you're the prophet. And Jesus asks them the question, he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus made the statement in verse 17. He says this. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Who is Simon Bar-Jonah, right? That term, Bar-Jonah, means the son of Jonah. Peter is referred to as the son of Jonah or the son of John. And so whenever we get to Bartholomew, we would see that same term, Bartholomaeus. Nathaniel is the son of a man called Tholomaeus. And so we get this idea or we get this understanding of Nathaniel being Bartholomew. He is the son of Tholomaeus. That is my opinion. There are many scholars who differ. There are many scholars who say that Nathaniel is a different guy altogether and that this is the only time he shows up in the Gospels. But I believe that Nathaniel is Bartholomew. I believe that he is the son of Tholomaeus. So, regardless of whether he's the son of Tholomaeus or whether he is uh, a a man who shows up in the Gospel of John and we never hear from him again, there is this interaction that is, that is instrumental. There's this interaction that is, that is revealing, revelatory of who Christ is and, and how we, as his believers, as his followers, should respond to Christ. And so let's, let's look at this text. John chapter 1, verse 43. The next day he purposed to go forth from Galilee, and he found Philip, and Jesus said to him, Follow me, in verse 44, Philip, I'm sorry, verse 45, Philip then went and found Nathanael, and he invites Nathanael. He says, We found him, the one whom we've been looking for, the one whom all the Old Testament has been speaking of, the one who Moses spoke of, the one who the prophets spoke of. We found him. We found the Messiah. Come. Nathanael says, Jesus of Nazareth? Anything good come of Nazareth? Well, I want to pose, or I want us to look at the methodology that we are introduced by the disciples here for evangelism. We're introduced in the previous passage of Andrew, who meets Jesus, 
And immediately Andrew meets Jesus and he goes and he invites his brother, Simon, to come along. And then we see here Philip who meets Jesus. And Philip immediately goes and invites Nathanael to come along. He says, we found him. Come and see. Come and see this, this Jesus, this Messiah. We have found him. Invitation is the methodology that God has used and God will continue to use for all of eternity to reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Invitation, personal invitation, is God's chosen methodology for biblical evangelism. In the marketing world, there are two types of signs. There is the destination sign, and there is the attention-getting sign. We've all seen fireworks stands that have the, the floopy guy that, that, that's got the, 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 the wind underneath him, and he's got the, the wavy arms, and you drive by, and you can't help but look because it, it looks like somebody's having a seizure on the side of the road. It looks like it, it, it's just you can't help but look at it, right? We've seen, we've driven down the road, and we've seen signs where the, the, the flag signs that, you know, 10, 10 signs in a row, and they've all got a, a little message on them. We've seen, we've seen the digital signs that are scrolling. We've seen the neon signs. There are signs, some signs that are designed to grab your attention. As you drive by, they're, they're designed by their very nature to grab your attention and to call your attention to them so that maybe you'll pull in. That, 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 that maybe you'll, you'll stop by, you will we'll drive by. We, there's there's the, the giant spotlights that, that, that wave in the air and, and you look up and you, you see these spotlights and it's usually for like a fair or a carnival or something. And the purpose for those is to get your attention, that hoping maybe, just maybe, you'll pull in. And then there are other signs that are destination signs. They're not going to grab your attention. But whenever you go looking for the doctor's office, you will see Dr. So-and-so, and you'll know that you have arrived at, this, at the correct doctor's office. You'll see Baton Rouge Clinic, such-and-such such MD, and you know you've showed up at the right place. You go to your accountant's office, and you know you, you see his name written on the door, and you, you know you've been to the right place. Nobody just drives by the accountant's office and decides to pull in. It's not like, eh, you know, today might be a good day to get my taxes done. No. The accountant, the doctor, the dentist, there are places that are destinations. They're destinations because you have an appointment or, or you are intentionally going to that place. Jesus is not an attention getter. He's a destination. People are invited to Jesus. Church is much like that. Church is a destination. I can promise you in the 20 some odd years that I've been that I've been pastoring, teaching, ministering, there has been I can count them on one hand the number of people who just were driving by and just happened to pop in. The vast majority of people that have come to church, that have worshipped with us, guests have been invited by some of you. Have been invited by friends, family members, loved ones, neighbors, co-workers. 
Church is a destination. Jesus is a destination. We see this. Andrew comes and invites Peter. He says, come. Come meet Jesus. Philip invites Nathaniel. He says, come. We found the Messiah. Come. Our responsibility as the church in order to fulfill the Great Commission is to invite others. <clears throat> I want us to notice Philip's invitation. Look at what Philip says in verse, in chapter 1, verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also of the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip tells Nathanael in his invitation, we have found the fulfillment of the Old Testament. I want us to understand that all of the messianic expectancy in this first Christian century, all of the messianic expectancy was centered around Old Testament prophecy. The Old Testament, we read this morning, Megan read this morning so beautifully how Isaiah prophesied that there would be that there would be a, a child who would be born and his name would be called Wonderful Counselor and the kingdom would rest upon his shoulders and of that kingdom there would be no end. The scripture tells us that in Isaiah that he would come out of Jesse, that he would come from the root of Jesse, from the line of David. We see the Davidic prophecy, the Davidic covenant in 2 Samuel, that he would be from the line of David and that of his kingdom there would be no end. We see other prophecies in the scripture that tells us that he would be born of a virgin. We see other prophecies in scripture that tell us that he would be prophecy, that he would enter Jerusalem riding on the colt of a donkey. And he would enter Jerusalem. And as he enters into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry, all of the people would throw the palm branches down and they would proclaim, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord in the fulfillment of prophecy. We will see that in his crucifixion, he fulfills prophecy after prophecy after prophecy as he is, as he is crucified next to criminals as not a bone is broken as they gamble for his garments. All of these things are fulfillment of prophecy. And that is the very essence of the messianic expectancy. In the same sense that we believe that Jesus is coming, that there is a second coming of Christ, that is not just because we're, we're hoping against hope, but because the scripture tells us that he is coming. And you can, pick, you can go to the bookstore and you can pick up about a dozen books without even thinking about it, about somebody who can tell you, well, this is the fulfillment of prophecy and this is the fulfillment of prophecy, so therefore Jesus is coming back on December 13th, 2028. And, and, and everybody's looking to the, to, the, to the scripture, they're looking to Revelation, they're looking to Daniel, they're looking to these prophetic books, Ezekiel, and they're trying to figure out how these prophecies, how these Old Testament passages are going to be fulfilled. That's exactly what was happening here. There was a messianic expectancy. Everyone, all of the Jewish people were looking to the Old Testament. Who is this that's going to fulfill the prophecy? Who is this that's going to fulfill the promise of the Old Testament? Who's going to come? Who's going to make this reality? And Philip says, we found him. We found the one of whom the Old Testament speaks. Nathaniel's response is interesting. Nathaniel is 
a skeptic's skeptic. Nathaniel makes the statement in verse 46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now, it's important to note that Nathaniel is probably from Bethsaida or Capernaum, but certainly he's from the region of Galilee. And this region of Galilee was not New York. This was not Manhattan. This was not, this wasn't even, this wasn't even Atlanta. This was, this was Podunk, Judea. Galilee, the region of Galilee, uh, the region of Galilee was an area of, of Israel that was generally looked down upon. These were people of poor means. These were peasants. These were blue-collar workers. They were, these, were, these were a people that were considered by everyone else less than. But isn't it interesting that even the Galileans found someone else that they could look down upon, right? In Louisiana, we have the wonderful privilege of being 48th or 49th in just about any and every measurable category. And, and we are looked down upon by 47, 48 other states. But aren't you glad for Mississippi? Because, because if Louisiana is 48th or 49th, Mississippi and oftentimes is 49th or 50th. And, 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 and we can look, and we as Louisianians, as, as our high and lofty, prideful Louisianians, we look down upon those, those rednecks from Mississippi. They're not as sophisticated as we are. That's the, that's the, the essence of what's taking place here. You have someone who has no reason to be arrogant, no reason to be prideful, because they themselves are, are looked down upon by almost everyone in all of Israel, and yet they have the, the audacity to look down upon someone else from another area, from another region, because they're from the wrong side of the tracks. They're not as, not as well-to-do, not as educated, not as sophisticated as we are. Nevertheless... Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's interesting that Jesus is known as Jesus of Nazareth. Where was Jesus born? Not a, not a trick question. Where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. Bethlehem is known as the city of David. Bethlehem is the city of royalty. If you are the city where the greatest king in the history of Israel has ever, has ever come from, you are going to have a, a reputation. You are going to have, there's, it's going to be a source of pride. You are from the city of Bethlehem. You're a Bethlehemite. You are from the city of David. But Jesus was not referenced as the Bethlehemite. It wasn't Jesus of Bethlehem. It was Jesus of Nazareth. 
Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. Isn't it interesting that while Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was raised in Nazareth, I believe intentionally, because Jesus, by his very nature and by providential design, was, the scripture says in Isaiah, that, that he was a man from whom men hide their face. Nothing to look for, nothing, nothing to look at, nothing, there was nothing special about him human-wise. He was not from a great lineage, he was not from a great family, he was not from a great city. Jesus was raised in Nazareth. The humility and the self-abasement that Jesus embraced is epitomized that he is from Nazareth, not Bethlehem. Interestingly enough, in Jesus' baptism, this is just a side note, in Jesus' baptism, he goes down to the Jordan River to be baptized. Geographically speaking, where the Jordan River empties into the Dead Sea is geographically the lowest point on the face of the planet. As elevation goes, where the Jordan River empties into the Dead Sea is geographically the lowest point on the face of the planet. So Jesus willingly takes himself from the glory, the height of glory, the height of heaven, the creator of the universe, the sustainer of anything and everything, spoke the world into existence. By him, all things were made and all things that were made were made by him. Nothing that was made was made apart from him. He is the image of the invisible God. He is grace and truth. And Jesus comes down from heaven, comes down from glory and enters humanity, debases himself and not only enters humanity, but goes to the very depth and the lowest point on the face of the planet to identify with us and is raised as a Nazarite, someone from Nazareth, someone nobody would even care to think about. Jesus of Nazareth, Nathaniel is not impressed. Nathaniel is a skeptic, and for good reason. Now, it's interesting, when Nathaniel begins to argue with Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Our response would be, well, certainly, and we would begin to defend our, our, our assertion that Jesus is the Messiah. We would begin to say, yes, but he may have been raised in Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem, and we'd begin to make a case for Jesus as the Messiah. We would begin to, to argue about how Jesus was the fulfillment of Old Testament Scripture. We would begin to argue about how, how when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came and dwelt upon him and remained upon him, and how John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and how John the Baptist said, This is he of whom I said, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. We would begin to argue with Nathaniel and begin to plead our case. We may even go on Facebook and we may post a post arguing with everybody that disagreed with us saying, saying, let me tell you how I'm right and you're wrong. Isn't it interesting that whenever someone challenges us, our immediate response is to react and defend 
Church, I want to remind us of something. The God that we serve is a big God. He's a big boy. He doesn't need you and I to stand up and convince everybody else that, 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 that he's good. He doesn't need you and I to convince everyone else that he exists. He doesn't need everyone, he doesn't need you and I to stand up and convince the skeptic that, that, that the God that we serve is real and he's kind and he's loving. God has been defending himself and revealing himself to humanity for all of eternity. He doesn't need your help on Facebook. He doesn't need your help to, to, to argue with someone else about who he is and what he has done. All he asks you to do is invite people. Just tell them. Just, just invite them. God has been defending himself. He's been revealing himself. He's been confounding the critics for all of eternity. What makes us think that that's going to change today? How would we respond? We go, we tell our friend, our coworker, you've got to come meet Jesus. He absolutely transformed my life. You've got to come meet Jesus. They say, Jesus, the Bible, is that even real? Well, immediately we get, we get indignant. We begin to, to get angry and fight and defend. Jesus says, just invite him. Now, don't misunderstand me. There's a place for apologetics. There's a place for a reasoned defense of our belief. But that place is not an evangelism. In evangelism, Jesus said, Come, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Philip's response, I believe, is a biblical response. And I believe it should be our response. Look at how Philip's response. Nathaniel says, nothing, can, nothing good can come of Nazareth. How is this Jesus of Nazareth, the one whom you said is the Messiah, the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. And Philip responded, come and see. I'm not going to argue with you. Just come and see. Church, that is evangelism. You don't have to defend Jesus. You don't have to get vote. You're not campaigning for Jesus. I want to I want to put your heart at ease. He's already in office. He doesn't need your vote. He doesn't need you to convince the world that he's the Savior. Because guess what? He is. He doesn't need you to convince your neighbor, your co-worker, that he's the Lord of glory, the King of kings, and that at the end of the day, all things are going to stand before him. He doesn't need you to convince people of that because he is. Our role, our responsibility is to tell people about Jesus, invite them to Christ, and let God do with them what he will. In the book of Mark, we see a beautiful parable where the farmer 
sows the seed, and then guess what he does? He goes to sleep. And the scripture says, the sun and the water do what it's supposed to do. And while the farmer's sleeping, the seed sprouts and brings forth fruit. The farmer didn't water. The farmer didn't provide sun. The farmer didn't provide anything. It is God who grows the fruit. Our responsibility, church, is to invite. Whenever we get, whenever we get challenged, whenever we get Whenever we meet the skeptics, whenever we meet the critics, just simply invite, come and see. I'm not going to argue with you. Just come and see. You may be right. Just come and see. You know what? You're probably right. I'm probably wrong. Just come and see. And trust God to reveal truth to the heart of his people. It's interesting. Jesus knows exactly where we are. Look at Jesus' response. Philip comes to G, comes to Nathaniel and says, we found the one in whom, whom the Old Testament is prophesied. And Nathaniel says, can anything good come of Nazareth? And Philip said, come see. And then Jesus sees Nathaniel and he says, I know you. Before I even showed up, you were sitting under the fig tree. And Nathaniel says, what? How do you know me? Jesus knows you more intimately than you even know yourself. He knows your hurt. He knows your pain. He knows your need. He knows your desires. He knows what you need greater than you know what you need. He knows what you desire greater than you know what you desire. The scripture tells us that he knows us and he meets us where we are. He met Nathaniel in his skepticism. He meets Thomas in his doubt. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, meets, shows up to the disciples, shows up at the apostles in his glorified body. And they tell Thomas about it. And Thomas says, I'm not going to believe until I see the, the scars in his hand and the wounds in his side. And Jesus shows up and he meets Thomas in his doubt and doesn't ridicule him. He doesn't berate him. He simply says, Thomas, touch, see. He meets Zacchaeus where he is. He meets him in his thievery. He meets him in his dishonesty. He meets him in his loneliness. And he says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to have fellowship with you. Not because of who you are, but because of who I am. Church, he knows us better than we know ourselves. And he meets us where we are. He met Nathaniel in his skepticism. He knows our deepest need. And he knows that if we seek him, we'll find him when we seek for him with all of our heart. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. He says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek for me with all your heart. It's interesting. Whenever we lose 15, 20 pounds, we're quick to tell somebody about the diet that we're on or the, the methodology that we're losing to drop 10 pounds, 15 pounds. Somebody will see you, man, you look great. How'd you do it? Oh, let me tell you, I, I started doing keto or I started doing paleo or, you know, I've been, you know, eating lettuce. I, I, I don't know. Been doing whatever. But we're quick to tell somebody about how we lost weight. 
We're quick to tell somebody who went to, we went to Tennessee or we went to the beach or we went to Wyoming and it was gorgeous and we want to tell them all about our experience. We want to tell them all about our trip. We find a product. What a product that all of a sudden made our life just a little bit easier. And we want to tell everybody about it. You don't have to know the Bible. You don't have to be able to quote scripture, chapter, and verse in order to be an effective evangelist. All you have to do is tell your story. Revelation chapter 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their life even unto death. The most powerful evangelistic tool that the church has is your story. Just invite people to Jesus. You say, but preacher, I don't know what to say. You don't have to know what to say. Just say, come and see. And they say, but, but, but what am I going to say whenever they, they, they have these questions? It's easy. I don't know. Come see. I have no idea how to answer your questions. Come and see. I have no idea how to explain your skepticism. Come and see. I have no idea how to explain how, how a good, loving, kind, sovereign, omnipotent God allows horrible, tragic, difficult things to happen. But I know that he's been good to me. I know that in spite of my hurt, my pain, I know that in spite of everything I've experienced, I have found grace and I have found mercy full and free. I can't explain it. I don't know the answers. Just come see. The invitation to Jesus is not an invitation for you to explain all of the world's problems. It's an invitation for you to invite someone who's hurting to come and find mercy and grace. Tell about Jesus. Invite others to come and see. But here's the caveat, church. You can only share your story if you have a story. You can only tell about how you met Christ if you have indeed met Christ. The disciples, when confronted with the Pharisees, they told them, don't say anything else about Jesus. Don't speak anything more about this Jesus. They said, beat us, kill us, throw us in jail, do what you must but we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and what we have heard. They were giving their personal testimony. And there are some of you, the only way that you can tell your story is if you have a story. And there are some of you here who've been a church member all your life. You've walked down the aisle, you've prayed with a preacher, you've gotten wet in a baptistry, but you've never met Jesus. If that's you, in just a few moments, I'll invite you to come. Maybe you know this morning that God has been laying upon your heart to invite someone, to tell someone your story. And today, He's calling you to be obedient. Will you pray with me? God, we thank You. We thank You that in the Scripture, You give us truth. We thank you that Nathaniel, an honest, open-minded, 
open-hearted skeptic said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said, come see. Jesus wasn't offended. He wasn't challenged by Nathaniel's skepticism. He met him where he was. And there's someone here this morning who God desires to meet you right where you're at. He's revealing to your heart that your sin has separated you from God and you have need for a Savior. If that's you, I want to invite you to come. Maybe God has revealed to your heart your need to tell others, to share your testimony, to invite others to come and see. May you find yourself obedient this morning. God, may your Holy Spirit have his way in this place. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus.